growing when I was 14. This was my height. And I, I was very disappointed by this because I thought clearly the Lord would know that I would like to dunk a basketball. When we play volleyball, Alfie is a better hitter than me. Like, could we not have a couple more inches here? So I had this chart, and in my mind, I felt like I never quite grew to where I was supposed to be. And I just want to stop right here and say, the beauty of having a creator is that we are designed on purpose with a purpose. And so, I don't know, maybe your height doesn't bother you, maybe it's something else, but you can rest in the fact that you have a creator and a designer who does not make mistakes in how we're designed and he will weave that into the purpose of our life down the road. So anyway, I didn't grow as tall as I wanted to grow. But today I want to talk about uh, something that is more serious than our, our height or physically growing, and that is our growth in Christ. And I know that everybody here wants to grow in Christ. I think that's, that's why we're all gathered here. So that's, that's the basis that I'm starting from, is we're here to grow in Christ, um, I'm amazed at the goodness of the Lord. I've been in 1 Peter this week, and I'm going to read chapter 1, but I'm going to skip the part that Nate read. And I struggled like crazy in studying this because I felt like we have to understand the hope that we have to actually hear what I'm going to talk about, but I decided I didn't have time to really focus on it. So, um, Nate, thank you for doing that. Um, I want to read chapter 1, and then we're going to look at three verses in chapter 2. And the three verses we're going to look at is actually just one extended sentence that is amazing because in it, God promises that we can grow in him. And he gives us two commands and one invitation for how that growth happens. So I'd like to read um, 1 Peter. We're going to, uh, in chapter 1, we're just going to pick up in verse 6 where Nate has already read. Um, and then we will get to our primary text, which is uh, chapter 2, 1 through 3. And uh, if Brandy can get it to cooperate, we'll put that part up here. But um, turn with me in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. The background here is that this is written to um, a church that was facing persecution and had scattered all over the place. Um, and God was reminding them of their hope and what it takes uh, to live in that kind of environment. So 1 Peter 1, I will begin in, in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof, proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory." obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So this section is just is reminding us of, of the hope that we have that Nate talked about. The next section we're going to read is a call, um, a call to holiness, and that is uh, verses 13 through 21. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. 
Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay on earth knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited by your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown, foreknown before the foundation of the world but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God." So we've talked about the hope, and this section is a call to holy living. And verse 22 starts the section or the subject that we're going to talk about today of growing, growing in Christ. So I'll read 22 through 25 with a few comments, and then we'll, we'll get into verses 1 through 3 in more detail. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of the grass. The grass withers, and the flowers falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Therefore, putting aside all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So our focus is in verses 1 through 3 here, and the promise and the direction is that um, and I'll just make a few comments on in chapter 1 yet that's leading up to this since it's, it's all tied together here. In verse 22, it says that we've obeyed the truth, and the way that works out is a sincere love of the brethren, and it's a, the idea of a, a brotherly love. So God puts that in our heart, and the end of verse 22 says we are to fervently love one another from the heart. So God puts in us a love of the brethren, but then where it says to fervently love, that word is agape love, that it's a, a self-sacrificing kind of love. And the word for fervent is describing when, when Jesus was in the garden, how fervently he was praying. So we've been saved, we've been changed, and we're called to love each other fervently. And the reminder is that we've been born again by the word of God. And the life in us is eternal. Um, and it, it doesn't perish, it doesn't fade away, the hope doesn't fade away. So that is all the background that comes up to this verse, and it says, so, or therefore... Um, and here's the direction for us, that we are to, to put away five, there's five things that we are to put away. There is the command that we are to long for or to crave the pure milk of the word. And then in the end, the invitation to taste that the Lord is good. And if we do those things, the result will be that we will grow in Christ. So I want to just walk through those three sections a bit here this morning, um, focusing on that. And sorry, my computer was giving me issues, and then Brandy tried to help me. So, Brandy, I'll just need to, to tell you when to advance. If you could go to the next slide, it would be great. 
or maybe that's okay. Uh, let's stay there. So, again, the point the point of the passage that we're looking at is that you may grow up or grow into salvation. And there's so much hope here because we are born again and following Jesus that we will grow. God's God's plan is that all of us grow in the maturity in Christ. We don't have to stay the same. He will change us from the inside out. Um, And, I mean, there is so much hope and just joy in that, that God will change us. So I don't know what it is that you're sitting here struggling with today, but you can know in Christ, you can change, and he wants to change and make us more uh, more into his image. So that is the point that we are to grow. So I want to just focus on these five things. And the command to us here is that we are to put these things away. And the word for that is just, it's literally like if you were wearing a coat or something and you're ready to take it off. So in scripture, it was used, the same word is used when, when they were stoning Stephen. And it says they took off their coats because it was hindering them. It's the same word in Hebrews where it says, lay aside every weight. So we are to, we are to put these things off. And again, I'm very grateful for Christ because as an unbeliever, you can try to change your behavior, but you can't actually put these things off. It takes Christ to take those things um, out, of our, out of our heart. So let's just walk through them a bit. The first one here is malice. Um, and it just has the idea of, I mean, it is just bad. Like, it is just generally wicked. And one of the words that helps me understand it that is translated is malignant. So if you think of the word of it just being like a cancer that can grow in your heart. Um, And so malice is, and in the context, it's probably talking about relationships and kind of a mean-spirited desire for revenge. You know, you just, you've been hurt and you just, you just would like some revenge. Um, And it really is the opposite of the love that was just described. So we are to love each other fervently. So malice is just, it's, it's when we allow an evil to grow inside of us, particularly towards someone else, that is, we would want uh, bad for them. So that's the first one. So we are to get rid of all malice and then all deceit. And the, the word for deceit, it just, it has the idea of a bait or a snare <laughs> or a trap where something just doesn't look like what it actually is. So as we relate to people, um, God is looking for honesty and truth. Um, and I know that we, none of us want to operate out of deceit, um, but maybe another word to help us think this through is what about manipulation? Or can I just find ways to get what I want? That's kind of tied up in what, what deceit is. Um, trying to get what I want, maybe trying to control someone else to get what I want. Um, and again, God calls us to honest communication. So if anybody has ever deceived you, what happens to the trust in that relationship? It, it is largely destroyed, right? And God is bringing us into a family that is supposed to be built on trust and love for each other. So if there's any deceit, that destroys the, um, the, detru- the trust that should be in our hearts. Uh, Brandy, if you can go to the next slide, please. Um, okay, go on to the next one. Okay, the third one is hypocrisy. And this just has the idea of of somebody who's acting and wearing a mask. So you can't really see um, what's going on. 
Hypocrisy is the opposite of integrity. So integrity has you know, the idea of there's just a wholeness there. It's, it's the same the whole way through. Hypocrisy um, is not that. Maybe there's inconsistencies between what we say and do. Or maybe there are inconsistencies about how we live depending who we're with. Um, are there areas of hypocrisy where we're you know, trying to, to wear a mask? The beauty and the wonder of God's word is that he tells us that his word actually cuts our heart open and lays just the thoughts and the intent and everything open before the Lord so there can't be um, hypocrisy. So as believers, we're to be humble and quickly confess if there's hypocrisy. Um, well, we'll go on to the next one. seems like our screen is, uh, is struggling a bit. So the fourth one is envy. And envy and jealousy are very closely related. Um, but one way to think about envy is that it is, it's an active jealousy of other people. And, and it's actually to the point where it's not just that I'm jealous of, of maybe what you have or just something about other people, but I would actually want to, to take that and have it for myself. Like I'd want it, you to not have it so that I could is, um, is one way to think about envy in our heart. One of the warnings for us in Proverbs 14.30 says that envy will rot your bones. So these are all internal things, but it literally will, um, it will destroy relationships, it will destroy our heart, and it will affect us physically. Um, so that's the warning with envy. And then the last one is slander. And this has the idea of just evil speaking, uh, railing, talking down about somebody else. It has the idea very closely related to gossip. So, you know what? No matter how interesting or how juicy or how enjoyable it is to talk about or listen to, gossip is very closely related to slander and is tearing someone down. One way to think about this is, is there a difference in what I will say about somebody versus to someone? Does that make sense? If there is a big difference, what I will say when I'm talking about somebody when they're not there compared to what I will say to that person, um, that's something that we should, should definitely keep, um, should evaluate. So Brandy, is it having trouble connecting at all? All right, that's fine. Um, I want to just compare this list to what God says in Ephesians, in Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. All right, can you go forward another one here? Okay, let's, uh, let's stop there. So we've looked at these five of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. And just want to note a few things here. Um, first of all, these things are all 
All of these things are sins against the command to love each other, to love each other fervently. And if you look at this list, you know, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and envy can probably live internally for a bit without others knowing it. They're more internal sin. And then slander is, uh, that is the attitudes of our heart eventually come out of our mouth. We just literally can't hide it. What is in our heart comes out of our mouth. Um, the first three of these, again, have more to do maybe with myself, particularly deceit and hypocrisy. And then envy and slander have to do with others. So one way to think about this, um, just to summarize again, the first one is just you know, anything that's wrong that's like a, malig- a malignancy that grows in us. And then these two of deceit and hypocrisy are more where um, maybe I want to hide things about myself and I don't fully want to open up to you, which is completely um, opposite of what God wants to happen in a church. We are to be humble, we're to be open, we're to be honest. And so our tendency is going to be towards hiding. And so uh, maybe these are, maybe it comes out a little bit differently, but that's one way to think about those two. And then envy and slander have more to do with how I feel about other people, where I'm discontent with, with something about myself or my situation. But thankfully, because of the gospel of Jesus, none of us have anything to hide anymore. We can bring our sins to Christ, be forgiven, and be totally changed of all five of these things um, and have our heart, our heart clear. So the warning here is that these sins, when they are present, they don't just stand still. These sins will grow. These sins don't, are not just static in our heart. Um, and they will, these sins will ultimately fight against growing up into Christ and maturing um, in salvation. Okay, Brandy, if you could go on to the next, uh, go another one, go for another one and another one. I want to think just a little bit here. So this is the first, first command is so put away or put off. And now the second command is like newborn infants long for the, spirit, for the pure spiritual milk. So the picture here of an infant, um, that's all of us. This doesn't mean that it's talking only to to baby Christians or other places in Scripture where it talks about you should be desiring milk, um, desiring meat and not just milk. He's saying all of us, if we want to grow like newborn infants, long for the spiritual milk of the Word. So newborns have a tremendous appetite, and we've all been there where you're holding somebody else's baby, and it is time for them to eat. And there is no way they're going to be happy for even two more minutes until they go back to mom and and they're fed. And I was curious for um, some of you moms, how often do babies tend to want to eat or need to eat? This is not a trick question and you won't be judged by your answer, but how often do babies want to eat a newborn baby? Two to three hours, hours, regardless whether you're sleeping or not, right? (laughs) So babies just are born with this desire, and beyond a desire, um, there is a need, there's a need to eat. Um, and they're totally dependent on it. They're dependent on milk. And isn't it amazing that for the first however long of our life, this is the only food that we eat, and it actually has all of our, all the nutritions in it. So the word picture here is that we are to have that, that same craving and dependency for God's word as a newborn baby does for milk. This was fascinating to me. I did a little bit of reading on, like, on a mother's milk. 
And so I didn't know this, but did you know that about 20% of a mother's milk is not actually digestible by the human body? And so along, which also makes sense why you change so many diapers, I guess. But for a long time, they didn't understand how this worked. And I was reading, this is, I think, New York Times article was talking about it. But what they ended up finding is that the part that isn't digested is complicated, is complex sugar. Come to find out that there is good bacteria that the baby needs to protect itself because it has no immune system that feeds on this sugar. And the body is designed in such a way that toxic bacteria and toxic viruses also like this sugar. And so they will attach to it and be eliminated without causing harm to the body. So God's design is, is just amazing what all happens when a baby is, is eating milk. Um, so we are, we are designed to need this um, pure spiritual milk of the word and to crave it uh, in the same way. So he tells us here it should be pure, and that is, that is just the opposite of where he told us earlier, don't have deceit. So it shouldn't be watered down, um, and it, it should just be the pure word of God. So God's word is crucial for our growth. We must have it. And our desire is to grow in him. And he promises that through the word, through the living word, the written word, his spirit inside of us, that we will grow. So when, I, when I'm talking about needing the word, um, that is us at home by ourselves. But it also is in this setting where we're hearing preaching. It's in Sunday school. It's in small group. And it's in hopefully many, many conversations throughout the week where we're talking about the Lord and what God is doing. And in community, um, that is how we, how we can get the pure spiritual milk of God's word. So the second command here is that we are to long for or to crave or to desire um, the pure spiritual milk. Uh, can you can go to the next slide. So uh, if you think about the change that a baby goes through while they're drinking milk, if their body is functioning right, they will grow and they will change. So I'll try not to get too sentimental here, but uh, this is Annika over here. These are two of the youngest pictures that we have of her. And you know, compare this now to seven years later. What all has happened, the transformation that happens. It started by eating milk. And uh, any guesses if that's Ashton or Caden? <laughs> that's Ashton. Um, so again, just going back to the imagery is we are to desire the milk, but the promise is here that if we take it in with, that, with an open heart, we'll change. My children look very, very different than these pictures. And so as we are in God's word, we will change and we will grow. And it is, it's a promise that he will he'll transform us and change us. Okay, you can go to the next slide. Okay, the last one here is an if statement. So we are to put away, we're to long for the pure milk of the word, and then it says if or since. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. One of the interesting things, if you read through Peter, he was clearly reading Psalm 34. There are multiple times where Psalm 34 is actually quoted. And so the verse of taste and see that the Lord is good uh, may have been what he was thinking about. Um, when it comes to tasting things, it, it's so personal. You can go to the next slide, Randy. So... I don't know whether this will look good to you or not. My family enjoys different types of food. 
So we went out and uh, we had Vietnamese food, and this is a big bowl of pho. Wonderful broth and raw meat goes in it, and anyway, it's just, it's delicious food. Now, I'm telling you this at five till noon, and I don't know if I'll have any friends as I described to you how good it smelled, how good it tasted. My point is, you can look at the pictures, you can hear all about it, but it is just not the same as digging in yourself, right? When it comes to taste, you, you want to you taste it. So the invitation from God here is that we are to taste for ourselves that the Lord is good. He wants us to experience that he's good. And uh, the word for good is just, it's kind, it's gracious. It's the same word that is translated where it says, my yoke is easy. That's actually the same word here. And he's saying, try it for yourself. Try it. Come to know me, and you will find that I am good, I'm gracious, and, and my yoke is easy. So one of the things uh, you know, about taste is it will change our perspective on other things. So um, if you all have not tried a sandwich from Titus's store, I highly recommend it. I'm sorry, I'm being brutal. I'm talking about food right at the end here. But if you haven't tried a, a sandwich from Titus's store, please do. It is generous. There's lots of meat in it. There's lots of toppings. I'll describe it this way. When I eat sandwiches from Titus and I go by the subway in front of my house, I have like zero desire to go into that subway. And as they go down the line and I say I want black olives and you get like five little black olives and you, you look for your meat. So once I've tried a good sandwich, I have little desire for something that's not all that good. And I think that that is also what God is saying here is, taste me and you will find that I am good and it will change your desires and your tastes so that you don't even want to go back to those other things. There are some sins that will be attractive that we'll, we'll struggle with. But as we taste and see that God is good, he's actually changing our taste of what we believe, what we believe is good. So, this is all one sentence that we've been looking at today. Um, Brandy, can you go to the next slide? And I just want, in closing, to, to talk about how they're interrelated, and it's all around the promise and the idea that we will grow in Christ. Um, so let's, let's talk about the, first, the five things we're to put off. If we were to put these things off, if we are in God's word, it will make us want to put these things off. And even continuing on, if we have tasted that God is good, we will want to put these things off. Um, so if we're growing and we're tasting, we'll want to put those sins behind uh, because of his word and our experiencing him. Okay, Brandy, go on to the next one. So this is the next one of, of wanting and longing for the pure spiritual milk. So I'm, I'm going to guess that if we're really honest with each other, we all have days and seasons of life where we are more hungry for God's word than others. That it just, there's just times when we're more hungry for God's word. And this is something that I want to grow in. And for whatever reason, more recently has been more difficult for me. So if, if the demand, if the demand, if the command is to, to long for it like a newborn infant, I know if I read God's word, it's going to change my perspective on sin. But the flip side is also true that if I'm not desiring God's word, 
do I, do I need to put away some of these sins towards other people that will open up a desire for God's word? And if I'm not desiring God's word the way I would like to, the invitation is here from God. Taste it, spend time getting to know me, and I think the desire will be there. So it's very related. Um, Brandy, you can go on to the next slide. Or what about tasting that the Lord is good? So maybe to taste that, I need to spend time with the Lord putting away any of these sins towards others to truly taste that God is good. And maybe as I spend time in the Word, not maybe, as I spend time in the Word, I will taste and see that God is good. So because God has loved us, caused us to be born again, we want to grow and we will grow as we put away these things, as we long for the pure milk of the Word, and as we personally taste that God is good, we will grow. And I'm so thankful that God that God is, he's good and he wants us to grow and he will actually change our hearts and our desires as we spend time with him um, to become more and more like him. So I just, again, want to invite you here, allow the Lord to look at these five sins, ask him to put a longing for his word, tell him you want to experience him personally and if those things happen, you can rest assured that we will grow and we will mature um, in Christ. Thank you for um, your attention this morning. And uh, Brandon, thank you for helping me out. My computer was acting up, and now this computer is acting weird, so I don't know what was causing all that. But thanks for being patient there. Um, Let's stand and have a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us. God, thanks for redeeming us. Thank you that you're good. You change us. Lord, our prayer and our cry is that we could be more like you. We could grow um, to become more like you. God, this morning, I pray that you would um, evaluate our hearts. And if there are any of these five sins that, that are in our hearts, God, we want to repent of them, confess them. And God, thank you that we can bring them to you and be changed. God, I pray for myself and for each of us here that we would have a longing and a craving for your word. Um, God, would you work in us uh, that that would happen. God, we want to taste and see that you're good. Lord, help us to do that. And God, allow that tasting your goodness to change our taste so we don't want lesser things. Um, And God, our prayer in wanting to grow is for you to have more glory and uh, just to for you to be able to do whatever it is you want to do in our hearts. Thanks for your word, God. May you anchor the truth deep in our hearts. And if there's things that are not of you, um, I ask that you and your kindness would just not allow that to stick. Um, Guide us this week. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.